Hello and welcome to Coffee House Questions. This is Ryan Polly. I am back podcasting after a short little break, and it was a good break. It has been crazy. And if you can't tell, uh, I have changed locations of this recording. I hope it's not too echoey. Uh, but back on November 10th, about 20 days ago, I got married, took off for our honeymoon in Jamaica, had so much fun. We went scuba diving. By the way, man, if you have not been scuba diving, you got to try it. It is so much fun. Uh, we went diving each day that we were there and just loved it, enjoyed our time. And now it was straight back, work, Thanksgiving, work again, and getting ready for Christmas break. And so it's been a busy transition. I'm uh, moving into a new apartment with my wife. And uh, that meant I had to break down my studio that I created at my last place. And I'm now set up here at the kitchen table. So Again, if I said, uh, as I said, if it sounds a little bit echoey, that is why uh, I haven't fully moved in yet. So hopefully within the next few weeks, I uh, get settled into this new apartment and be able to kind of set up a little bit of a makeshift studio to improve the sound quality. But I hope it's not too bad in the meantime, as I record here at my new dining room table. Well, it's uh, it's been, like I said, it's been fun and uh, getting married. Wow. Uh, it, it was uh, quite eventful beautiful, so much fun with family and people around, uh, was able to celebrate with a lot of people and uh, just really enjoyed the time. And I appreciate all the people that have uh, been commenting and, and that were able to come and uh, just really, man, just celebrate such a wonderful day. And so it was a good time and uh, it's good to be back and now settling into a schedule again and uh, already picking back up on some speaking events. And so just to kind of throw that schedule out there again, as I have before, December 14th is a closed event, but I'll be at uh, For His Glory Community Church High School group speaking on entertainment culture. But on December 23rd, I am doing a public event at For His Glory Church, my home church, uh, finishing up the last class of our eschatology class. Uh, I will be speaking on the eschatological hope and a view of how it ends, heaven, hell, and judgment. And so uh, that is open to anyone. You can come to church starting at 9 a.m. Church goes to about 1030. And then our class goes from 1030 to 1130 with a break in between. And so that is a public event. Uh, anyone can come join that. And I'd love to see uh, anybody there that wants to be there. Uh, also be picking back up at the beginning of the year, January 25th, back with uh, Forest Glory High School group doing part one on uh, Christians in the LGBTQ community, as well as February 8th. I'll be back for part two on that same topic. In the meantime, it looks like I'll be speaking at Turn Your Campus, uh, an event I took my high school students to a few weeks back, a few weeks, a few years back, and it is a great opportunity uh, for high school students to go to Biola University uh, for a day of seminars and lectures in trying to motivate them to to turn their campus, to be evangelists and ambassadors for Christ on their campus. And so it's almost locked in, but it looks like I will be attending that on February 2nd, I believe is the date. Yep, February 2nd, uh, Biola University. And uh, I will be giving one of the workshops, about 40 different workshops. I'll be given one on world religions. Uh, do we know, how can we know that they're all, are all the, oh man, World religions, are they all true? Yes, I do know my own talk. Uh, and so giving the students practical advice on how to kind of confront relativ relativism, how to understand that Christianity is the one true religion, and then giving them practical skills and, 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 and ways of looking at other religious claims and religious ideas to try to find uh, false statements or false ideas or non-evidentially based 
statements in those religions. And so those are some of the events moving forward. And it looks like uh, there might be one more being in the books for uh, the beginning of the year, January just need to confirm that one. And so uh, fun stuff, jumping right back into schedules and speaking and podcasting again. So it's good to be back with all of you now. And so on the show today, we are going to be discussing uh, something I was recently asked to give my opinion on. And I was going to talk about it a little bit, but from maybe a little bit of a different angle. Uh, But that is the death of the missionary John Chow. Uh, The missionary, if you guys heard, uh, young man uh, decided he was going to try and share the gospel with a, a group of uh, a tribe living on an island over in the sea uh, near India, the North Sentinel Island uh, people, and uh, was killed by those people when he reached the island. And this idea has brought up a lot of questions, a lot of issues uh, turning to the fate of the evangelized, as well as uh, even some discussions with, uh, regarding kind of the Reformed uh, Calvinistic theology versus um, Arminianism in, uh, you know, are those people saved or should we even be evangelizing? Isn't God just, hasn't he just predestined all those people? And all those sort of questions. And so I'd rather, uh, I want to look at it from that angle as well as discuss a little bit uh, of that. And because this is one of those issues I'd love to hear your thoughts on as well. I just want to remind you, as I always do, uh, to send in those comments and questions. And so again, you can email those in at contact at coffeehousequestions.com. You can go to facebook.com slash coffeehousequestions for that information as well. Uh, Instagram or Twitter at ryanpolly 3 And there you can also see the question of the day and that information. Or text them in at 714-989-6927. All righty. Well... So what about this missionary? Well, as most of you probably know, I was a missionary in the Dominican Republic for four years. And so I I spent my time uh, there working with baseball players, uh, helping work uh, with Haitian students, as well as Dominican students I taught at a school, and trying to provide education and and helping students... um, the, the the Christian students at the Dominican school to get a foundation for their faith, to learn English, to uh, learn worldview and apologetics and leadership skills to be successful, as well as working with the Haitian school, some of them uh, just getting a basic education so that they can be successful as well in life. And, and four years uh, in the Dominican Republic working with those people. And so I spent some time on the mission field. And while I did, I, I read a lot of missionary biographies. Uh, I loved reading the stories of some of the great missionaries uh, who who really went out on faith and, and trusted in God in many different ways uh, and gave up a lot of their life, gave up the comfort of their own homes to share the gospel, to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. And, and uh, some of them risking their lives or some of them just giving uh, their life just by dedicating uh, many years to ministry. And it was just so encouraging. And, and I remember reading uh, the stories by Bruce Olson. He wrote the book Bruchko, uh, also uh, For This Cross, I'll Kill You, sharing his stories of working with the Indian tribes down in Colombia and Venezuela uh, and, and some of the tales of these tribes and, and how... Um, fierce they were and how they got into issues and how they tried to befriend them and uh, be able to work in these groups. Just some insane, crazy crazy stories. Also of Don Richardson, uh, George Mueller. Uh, man, they're just the list can keep going on. 
Well, what this does is, is, is I remember reading these and just going, wow, these people were willing to give up so much. And that's the first thing I think about uh, when I think about people talking about the death of John Chow, uh, this missionary that went uh, to this people group over in the North Sentinel Island uh, and was killed by these people. And, and so one thing I, I want to say is, the look, he knew what was going to happen. He had prepared, knowing that these people were dangerous, knowing that these people uh, had uh, killed many people that had uh, had stepped on, or most of the people that had stepped on this island before, uh, and was still willing to risk his life, knowing that these people needed the gospel. And and for that, you you have to commend a person. You have to say, wow, uh, this person was literally willing to sacrifice their life to spread the truth of Christianity. So I think now you can debate whether that was a good decision or not, whether that was wise, but look, that is someone who, who genuinely believes in the message that they are spreading. And I think that, that that we should take that a little bit for a lot of us as a little bit of a conviction in, in how much we are willing to step out in wisdom to spread and share the good news of Jesus Christ. Some of us are not even willing maybe to be a little bit uncomfortable uh, some of us are not, maybe not willing to give up a Sunday afternoon uh, watching sports or, or a weeknight or something to go evangelize. And I know, you know, for me, it's easy for me to record this podcast. It's easy for me to write some articles and, and speak at churches. But man, to go out on the street and evangelize, that's hard. I don't like doing it. Uh, and sometimes I think we need to look at people like this and go, wow, this person was willing to give up and risk his life knowing the dangers of these people, but also knowing the importance of sharing the gospel. Maybe we need to take a little bit and learn a lesson from that person in in having that attitude of willing to risk our lives for God. Now, at the same time, uh, you, you also have the people critiquing him. And, and I, this kind of does make sense to a, to a degree. In my preparation for mission training, uh, I realized the importance of, of, of having a group of people around you. I realized the importance of having the missions organi- organization surround you. I realized the importance of preparation and all that kind of stuff. And as, as reports are coming out, and it's hard to know exactly what was happening, but it looked like he did have an organization that knew something. Some reports say the organization knew nothing. Other reports say, yes, they trained him and they, they put him through intense training to prepare him for this. Um, it's hard to know what, what happened and what didn't as far as his training. I just know that that kind of stuff is important. And so I just want to be careful not to jump to conclusions saying he wasn't trained, he wasn't this, he wasn't that, um, not knowing some of those details. Uh, was it the wisest thing? Man, I don't know. I, there, could there have been a better way? Maybe, right? There are missionary stories, like I mentioned before, that I've read, where there's a, a more work done ahead of time trying to make contact with people from a safe distance to try to kind of warm them over before you just step foot in their area. Uh, knowing that, man, that is very dangerous. And, and so that is a, a very difficult line to draw um, in, in how exactly to go about that. Now, I think where the critiques come in is often from non-Christians, that that his whole goal was just to colonialize them, right? That, that we should just let these people be that by themselves. Uh, why are you trying to to give them some message? Well, that is a huge worldview question. Right from a secular worldview, yes, just let them keep doing their own thing. Why would you risk their lives? Why would you risk disease? Why would you risk your life? Why would you try to get them to believe what you believe? Just let them be. 
Just let them do what they want to do. They've survived this long doing their thing. Just let them be. And that makes sense. Look, if, if secularism is true, if Jesus is not true, if Christianity is not true, yeah, just let them keep doing the things that they're doing. Why would you ever step foot on their property, on their island, in their area, risk your life to get them to try to agree with you on something that's pointless if Jesus didn't rise from the dead? And so those critiques make sense from within that worldview. However, I think what often is not made sense from a Christian worldview, it makes sense why he would need to go to these people. From the Christian worldview, these people are lost and these people are going to spend an eternity being judged for the mistakes and the sins that they've made. And these people desperately need to know who Jesus is. Now, this is where the question then comes in. What about the fate of the evangelized? How could God judge a group of people who never knew? What are we supposed to do in this situation? Well, I think it's important to understand a few different things when we look at this topic. So I've written an article on what happens to those who have never heard the gospel. You can find this at coffeehousequestions.com. And the question here asked is, if conscious belief in Jesus is required for salvation, how is it fair to those who have never heard the gospel? how can God judge someone who has never heard about Jesus Christ if that is the standard in which to know? Uh, That doesn't seem like a fair God. And this is actually one of the first objections I ever got when I was in a, I believe in my freshman year of college. It was my first year of Christmas break. It was how I can't believe in a loving God who would send people to hell who have never heard of him. How is that supposed to work? Well, I think it's important to understand a a, a very important concept. And my short answer to this is that God will make sure that those who would repent will have the opportunity. God will make sure that those who would repent will have the opportunity. Look, I am convinced that God is a fair and just God, that when he says, those who call upon me, right, that those who repent from their sins and turn to him, that those who want and desire to follow him, that he is going to give them a chance. And so God is not going to uh, put it in someone's heart, right? The Holy Spirit is who draws us to him. He's not going to have the Holy Spirit draw someone to him who then desires to repent and then say, sorry, not going to let you do it. I'm going to stop you right there and you're going to go to hell. That is not going to happen. I don't believe that we serve a God who is like that. That when the Holy Spirit draws someone, that, that they have now have the desire and the want and the will to repent, and they have seen the truth, and they go to God, that he is going to provide a way for them to hear the gospel. And so there's two important information, two important pieces of information that we need to see here. Is that first of all, there's never, there is not a single person on this planet that has ever lived on this planet that did not have an opportunity to see God. Psalms 19.1 says the heavens are telling of the glory of God and their expanses is declaring the work of his hands. Romans 1.18-20 talks about that men suppress the truth and unrighteousness and that God's invisible attributes, his eternal power, divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. It's here we have to understand there's a difference between general revelation and special revelation. General revelation is the creation of God, and this has been given to every single person that has ever lived on this planet. 
that in Romans 1 right there, as it says, that his eternal power, his divine nature has been clearly seen through what has been made so that they are without excuse. That every single person that has ever lived on this planet is without excuse because they have clearly seen his eternal power and his divine nature. They will be judged for what they've done because they are without excuse. Then, the, But the, I don't think that a person can be saved through general revelation. It is true that belief in Jesus is required for salvation. John 14, 6 says, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Romans 10, 9, and 10 says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. So what about this? What about the special revelation? What about the special information from God about Jesus Christ that is necessary for salvation? Well, I believe that if someone responds positively to general revelation, if the Holy Spirit draws that person into God, they see his divine attributes, his eternal power through what has been made, respond positively to that, God will give them special revelation. God will make sure that those who would repent will have the opportunity, that they will receive a dream, a vision, a missionary visit, the Bible translated into language, or something that then gives them the opportunity to understand Jesus for who he is and repent. And so I think that those who would have the chance to repent will be given that chance. Dr. Clay Jones, one of my professors at at Biola University in in my master's program in apologetics, said it this way. He said, God gives enough evidence so that those who want to believe will have their beliefs justified, but not enough so that those who don't want to believe will have to give loyalty. And And I talk about this with my students. I think that it's possible and I've mentioned this in other places, in other blogs, but if God created, and my professor mentioned, that, Dr. Jones mentions this as well, that if God made this massive flaming sword up in the sky that everyone could see at all times, and the moment you messed up, the sword would come down and would chop you in half. Well, who would believe in God in that world? Well, everyone. Everyone would believe in a God in a world with a flaming sword up in the sky that comes down and chops you in half as soon as you do something bad. But how many people would be worshipers? Probably none, right? God doesn't want you to give your loyalty or feign your loyalty, but he wants people who choose to follow him, to choose to seek after him, find him, and worship him. And so, as he mentions, that God gives enough evidence that those who want to believe have their beliefs justified, but not so much that those who don't want to believe will have to give loyalty. John Feinberg says it this way. He goes, those who don't get that information don't fail to get it because it was impossible to attain it. Rather, they fail to get it because they reject even the truth they have and don't seek further truth about God. That comes from his book, The Many Faces uh, of Evil. John Feinberg, that is. I think that's interesting. I think we have to think about that for a second. That people don't get special revelation, not because it's impossible to attain, It's not impossible. God can reach any group of people with that information that he so chooses. Rather, people fail to get special special revelation about Jesus Christ because they reject even the truth they have 
and they don't seek further truth about God. Now, I don't know about this tribe on the North Sentinel Island. I don't know their past. I don't know what they've done. But I do know that we have held to believe in the authority of Scripture that tells us the information that I have shared now. The authority of Scripture that tells us but a God who is unchanging, a God who is fair and just and loving, a God who desires that all people are saved. And so he is going to provide a way for all people to be saved. And so I have to believe that based on those things that I have shared and these the, the description of these verses and how different people like Dr. Jones have looked at it and John Feinberg, that it is true that if someone fails to receive the information of Jesus Christ in order to be saved, that is because that they have rejected it. And I think that's why it's important for people like John Chow to go to these groups to help them see it in a different way because they have rejected this information. They have to understand exactly what it is that they're rejecting in a clearer way and maybe have the opportunity, a better opportunity to accept Christ. That God may use someone like that to bring people to salvation because we've seen that many times before. And so this gets into uh, other discussions that I've heard of people who say, you know, the Arminian will go, man, if, if, from a Calvinistic, but I don't understand Calvinism. Because if, if God has just predestined everyone, then, you know, there's no need to evangelize. No, that is not true. That is absolutely not true. That is something I often hear, but that's not true. God, just because he has chosen for someone to be elect, doesn't mean that you just get to sit around and do nothing. Even if that is the way that God chooses to save people. He still uses believers as part of his plan. God doesn't just miraculously show up for every single person uh, so that they believe. He uses Christians to speak into the lives of people, and that is the way in which he chooses to save some people. That happens all the time. Even from an Arminian perspective, God uses people to, to talk to their friends It's through humans that many people are saved. And so even if God has chosen his elect, even if God has predestined for someone to be saved, it is still through the work most of the many times of human beings talking with that person in order to be saved. So whether you're an Arminian, a Calvinist, a Molinist, uh, I don't think it matters here in the sense that any view you take, I think you still see the importance of missions, the importance of evangelism. And so I don't think that we should uh, be sitting back critiquing other views and saying, ah, oh, that view's dumb. Why would you need to do evangelism in that view? Or, or those sort of things. Uh, because God uses, that is the way that God uses us in order to spread his message. I think we should stay away from that, understand that no, no matter what your view is, we as Christians have been called to spread the gospel, to go to all the nations and make disciples, right? And so we are called to do that. And so if you're sitting on your butt saying, I don't need to evangelize, you have a wrong view of the Christian call, right? Throughout the message of scripture, we see that in the beginning, God created this perfect place. We screwed it up with sin. God starts and puts into motion his redemptive plan that is accomplished through the work of the Christ, through Jesus Christ. And then that redemption is applied in the work of the church, in the life of the believers, as we now go out and we spread that gospel message, we spread that good news to other people. We as Christians should understand how important this is. Do I think that some people do it well and other people, it's like, ooh, I probably wouldn't have done it that way? Yeah. 
But look, I want to take that step back and I go, look, they're doing it. Maybe we can come alongside and try to get people to do it in a little better way. But look, they're doing it. I would much rather have people out there spreading the gospel, trying to to advance the work of Jesus Christ in this world than be sitting on their butt because they maybe don't want to do it in the wrong way. Let's get out. Let's start moving. And then with that enthusiasm, with that uh, attitude, we can then try to shape it and help become more fine-tuned in the way that we go about sharing the gospel. Now, kind of coming back to our discussion on the fate of the evangelized to kind of finish up what we're talking about here. I think that when you realize the depth of human depravity, it is clear that none of us deserve to be saved. You know, I just finished teaching on the Christian meta narrative in my high school class, and we talked about the gospel. We talked about the accomplished work of Jesus Christ on the cross and what he did in redemption for us. And I think that many people don't understand how amazing that is because they don't truly understand human depravity. We skip over Genesis chapter 30. We don't understand why we suffer for the sin of Adam. We don't think that humans are inherently bad. We think it's only the culture that makes us bad. Uh, and, so, and so, yeah, just leave those people there by themselves. Leave it, Let them just keep doing their own thing. They're just, they're nice people over there. Look, these nice people on the island have killed everyone that's stepped foot on the island. Right? We, we sometimes don't realize the depth of human depravity. We don't realize the evil that people do. And, and I mean, just today I was reading an article that's like, it, it was, the title was A Shocking Racist Rant. Now, it, it, those things are pretty shocking, but it's like every time someone is racist, it, it, it shocks us. Like, what? A human did this? Yeah, that's what humans do. Humans are racist. Humans are terrible. We are not inherently good people by nature. And I think a lot of times we're kind of shocked. Like, what? This person was bad? Yes. And I think that then when you realize the depth of human depravity, it's clear none of us deserve to be saved. As mentioned here again by John Feinberg in his book, he says that God's word clearly says that all have sinned and so deserve punishment. So what is fair and just and deserved is condemnation and punishment for all of us. We're not saying that one group of people is better than another. What we're saying is, look, we are all sinners. We all deserve punishment. And it's only through the grace of Jesus Christ that he gives us something we don't deserve. He doesn't punish us. He doesn't give us things we do deserve. And then he gives us things we don't deserve through his mercy and his grace. What we see is that God is only, it is what we see is that it is only because God is forgiving and gracious that anyone is able to enter into heaven. God is not under any obligation to save us from our sins. So it is fair to allow, so is it fair to allow those who've never heard the gospel to go to hell? As Feinberg finishes up here and he says, as I have here, actually it isn't fair and it isn't unfair either. It's gracious that God saves any of us. Right? So I think instead of asking if it is fair, we should be thankful that any of us have had the opportunity to spend an eternity with God and rest assured that God will make sure that those who would repent do have the opportunity. And in the meantime, what is our role? Our job is to go out and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I pray that maybe through this podcast, through reading scripture, through the work of the Holy Spirit, through other encouragement of missionary stories, that you too can have the encouragement, the motivation, and the determination to go out 
and share your faith in the culture that you live in as well. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. It's fun to be back with you all. Again, send in those comments and questions. Give me the questions that you have on your mind, the things that you would like my opinion about or other areas. And I would love to continue to record these new shows as we step into the new year. So thank you so much for listening. God bless. Have an awesome rest of your day. A wonderful December. Sip coffee. Think deeply. This is Coffee House Questions with Ryan Pollard. Won't hesitate to follow